For you are no longer a slave, but a son and an heir of God through Christ. This is OutboundLife.org. I want to talk about color. Red, white, blue, green. But I want you to imagine, if you will. But Can someone explain to me yellow? What's yellow? Describe it to me. Yellow. Flowers. Okay. The sun. Perfect. How about green? Describe green. Grass. Oh, that's good. Okay, how about uh, purple? Wife, royalty. Oh, I thought you said money, so I thought, you know, okay. Your wife. Okay, um, how about blue? Sky, sky. Hey, yeah, that's... Okay. Now, here we now let's go a little bit different. Imagine I have never, I was born blind. Never seen anything but black. Explain yellow. What's bright? Stay there. Very good. Explain green. This, this is very good. You guys have no idea what he's talking about on this side. I, I don't even know it anyway. But you're describing something that's very good. So go with this just for a moment. You've been born blind, and now you have to describe to someone color so they can experience what you're experiencing. You're seeing this awesome sunset that is just taking your breath away, and you're sitting with someone who has never seen before, and you're trying to explain this wondrous thing how do you get there? They don't know what a frequency is, so we'll just have to. We're going to I'm going to get back to what you're saying, though. That's very good. How do you define that? How do you even get into someone's conscious that has no concept of sight? We can talk about hearing. We can put objects in their hands and try to correlate them to those things, but that is the best place you can get. Because they don't have a concept of sight. Now, once they can study, they can learn the frequencies and there's different frequencies and they might be able to put a buzzer in their hand at certain times when it hits a certain frequency. But man, that would just be challenging, wouldn't it? Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, the greatest truth is coming to you, but in order to experience it, you got to see it. Now, someone might say, I don't want to miss out on that. So they get some frame of reference to it. And you're trying to enjoy this, but it doesn't, it's not as enjoyable to them because they're trying to have to touch something, feel something. They got the braille little dots. It's just, it's not meaning the same thing. How do you go there? How do you bring that to someone who has never seen? Now, I want you to imagine, if you will, Someone who's never seen before. So let's say they have, they've been living in their house for a while. So they've, they've mastered how many steps it is from the one wall up. They got their layout in. They've lived in it. They know where the steps are. They could actually walk and not trip because they know where everything is at. Unless someone wants to play a cruel joke and move a, move a chair. They know where everything is. Then when they go out, they might even know the street. They've had the cane. And they start mastering, they listen to sounds, they could hear things. 
So actually, they're pretty well able to function in a very comprehensive way just on the simple fact of all their other senses were in full operation. They could probably hear better than we could hear. There's things they pick up we don't even pick up. Their sensories, their smells, everything else becomes a much huge part of their life. Now, if I wanted to come and bring something that would bring excitement, I would have to get into their world to comprehend what they're seeing so I could bring a relationship of my idea to their thoughts. Then they could start catching the idea. So color. Color is very interesting because God's not black and white. And I think it's interesting. Paul goes on. He said he was caught up in the third heaven and he saw things too wonderful for him to even communicate. So when he came down, he doesn't even share half the truths. that We don't even know if he shared a quarter of the truths that he saw when he saw what he saw in the heavenlies. Because our brains couldn't even understand what was going on. He, he didn't have words to articulate what was happening in the heavenlies. Just ponder that for a moment. But here's why this matters. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they're minding their own business, doing their God godlike things, something had to come in and introduce a new idea into something, an area of their mind they had no comprehension of whatsoever. They had no sin. They weren't dealing with their past. They weren't influenced by negativity of a previous life. They were perfect and complete in every manner, formed in the garden in fellowship and communion with God. Yet something came in to bring an idea, a thought that they had never comprehended before. So we obviously know that there is a tree in the garden of knowledge of good and evil, right? But there's also a tree of life. But they never saw the tree for any other purpose than it was another tree in the garden. We look at that from a perspective, I've heard it told, well, you know what? It's kind of like telling your kid, don't stick your finger in the light socket. And the next thing you know, you see him over there. Johnny. They never saw the light socket until you told them not to stick your finger in the light socket. Now that light socket was, there's something magical behind that light socket. Man, all of a sudden that light socket came alive. This is the thing. My parents are holding out on me. There's something in that light socket. Right? So it's like when this idea is introduced, all of a sudden your brain goes boom. But that's because we come from a nature, an old nature, our old remnant before we were born again, that was a sinful state. So we're now looking at it differently. But now reverse that whole process. Get in your mind, Adam and Eve had no sin. Until something came in and brought a new idea. And the idea that he brought was God's holding out on you. You're not quite what you were told you are. And then it says the tree looked good to eat. You see, when we get into the person's position, when I can make a person feel up or feel down, their perspective of life changes. When you're feeling down and low and not wanting to get out of bed one morning, most of us have grown up enough that we still just get up and go anyway and know it's going to wear off. But we hit those points, right, that we all have. What does the world look like to you and how does everybody around you feel? 
My family's not always happy with me when I'm in that mode. But when I'm feeling great, when I'm feeling up, when I'm feeling on top of the world, the issues that were a problem, that's not a problem, we can figure it out, come on. Yeah, I know you spit at me, but it's alright, we'll just wipe it off and move on. You know, you're just in a different mood, you're in a different, different place, right? Your position. Position has everything to do with how we see. I've said this before when I'm here, if I'm down on the floor, I have one perspective. When I'm standing up, on, if I could stand up near the ceiling, I have a different perspective. It's just completely different how we look at life. But now go in. Now man's fallen. We ate from the tree. Boom, we're in this different state. And it says that we became enemies with God, of God with our own mind. So God never became our enemy. We became enemies with God in our own mind. So that was never God's opinion. He never looked at us as enemies. We looked at ourselves as enemies. Therefore, how did we treat God? As our enemy. He's against us. Our perspective of ourselves determined our perspective of how God was. Right? Can we agree on that? I mean, I can spend hours explaining that, but if we can just come to that agreement, we can move on. Good? All right, so we're there. So now we're in this lower state. Now we get, imagine... It says that we were blind. So basically, there was a world filled with blind people that couldn't understand the glorious things of God. No comprehension. So God comes in and tries to bring these ideas, tries to introduce like through the prophets, through the word, through different people. And it just like glosses over like, no, that's too much for me. Next. It says in Psalms that that God wanted to reveal the ways to the people like He did to Moses. But they just wanted the acts. Just show us what to do. Because in their mind, the place that they sat in life, was it was too great for them. We're not worthy of that. So just give us this so we know how to function and maintain. I forgot who it was. It was either Lauren or David asked me. Maybe it was Lauren. She asked me a question about something about the law in the Old Testament. She goes, you know, Dad, it was only like an 11-day journey to the promised land. So as I started pondering that, the thought came to me, what if they would have just said, we're going in, taking it, like right away? You know, there would be no Old Testament law. If we would just receive the promises he offers right away, it, we don't even have to have the laws. We don't even have to be doing this whole thing the way we're doing it. And then at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses says, I'm going to complete this law for you to remind you when you fail that I told you so. I mean, none of it was because, listen, follow this. I got this great hope for you. No, it's like, listen, you screwed it up the first time. You're going to screw it up again. And this is a reminder that you are. That was Moses. Okay, but we're talking about blindness here. So in John 9, 56... You're, but you, now you got to imagine, go with me, everyone is blind. And the only thing the people of the Old Testament see are glimpses and shadows. And it's almost like, you know, when you close your eyes, but you kind of see the light, so you kind of know which way to go. It was like that. Glimpses and types and shadows were given to them, but not the wholeness of what you now receive because of Jesus Christ. So they only had pictures and thoughts. But listen to this. John 9.56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Jesus is talking. And he saw it and was glad. 
Ponder this for a moment. What was the driving force for Abraham, who had no self-help groups, no support system, no no general counsel to go to to get advice on how to lead these next generation of people? He had a vision from God, a promise, and he saw who Jesus was from afar off. And he saw him complete it. And it was the thing that drove him. He saw something. So imagine you've been completely blind. Your eyes pop open for one moment and then they shut. What do you, you will probably never forget that image that just went inside your head. So this is what's going on throughout the whole Old Testament. This is what's going on at the fall of man. Alright? But just to wake you up a little bit, to add a little bit of excitement. We live in another kingdom. So they do things a little bit differently. Right? You guys know this. They live in the kingdom of Thailand, in case not Taiwan. Thailand. It's a separate country. And it's not just all Asians are like that. It's completely different than all the other countries. So it's just, it's every, every country in Thailand, or in Asia is just extremely unique. Thailand is unique all by itself. They've never been conquered by a European power. They've never been colonized. They've always stood alone. They have their own language, their own alphabet, their own Everything. They have their great automated system of handling all paperwork, which is paper. And they don't talk to each other very well between departments, so to get one thing done from over here to over here is real challenging. They do build new buildings to support their IT center, except this box is a paper that they put in the IT center. But they can't be hacked. They can be burned, they can be robbed, but they can't be hacked. This is Thailand. But they operate under a king. So they have a hierarchy. We operate under a a constitution of the people, right? They operate under a king with somewhat of a democracy below that as long as it doesn't disrupt the hierarchy. Very interesting system. Whenever the government gets out of control, the military comes in, takes it back over again. And it's very wonderful when the coup happens because the roads get built, everything gets taken care of, and the money actually goes to the place it's supposed to go, and then they back off and the brothers fight again. This is Thailand. But they have some very unique things in Thailand that are really quite awesome. But see, unless you've experienced it, you really wouldn't fully understand what I'm trying to say. See, when you can see, when you go from blindness to sight, it's called understanding. You see, what you were explaining about the wavelengths, that is knowledge. But if I don't know how to take that knowledge and stick it, which was very good, by the way. If I don't have no, because I know it was accurate. If I don't know how to take that knowledge and put it into something that is usable, that I can see, that I can understand, that I can work with, that I can touch, that I can feel, it means nothing to me. It's just information. And a lot of times we've looked at Scripture, we've looked at our Father, we've tried to connect with God, and there's glimpses we've seen of Him, and then there's, like, we know He's there over here, and then we read about Him, and we try to just take these formulas and try to get a picture of it, and then we teach people about what we think that we see behind the veil. And we wonder why over time, not not nobody in here, by the way, I'm just saying we as in a big general Christian group, and we wonder why we don't understand what Jesus is like. What is the Father like? So to understand something is this. So, you know the kitchen sprayer? Well, we use those in Thailand too. And our our sprayer broke. I'm a handy guy. I like to go fix things. I like to figure it out. Because if it's broken, I, you know, I, I want to learn how to do it. So let's let's take it on. So I'm the DIY guy. Right, Val? 
it doesn't always turn out the way, but it overall it's pretty fun. So I'm I'm on my adventure. So I'm going to go get in my car, drive on the left-hand side of the road. I'm going to go to Global House. It looks kind of like a Home Depot. See, some things in life are similar, but they're not same same. I'm just telling you. <laughs> There's a saying in Thailand, you know, same same but different. Like, hey, I like that color shirt. Do you have it in a small? No, we just have a large. It's same same. No, it's it's not same same. Yeah, it is. It, it's not it, it's not same same. So. Or they'll give you something completely different. Oh, here's a pot. No, same, same. No, it's not same, same. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting ready to go on my, my expedition. I get into Global House. I'm, I know what's going on. I, I'm ready to go. And I walk in and I go right into the kitchen section and I'm looking all over for the sprayer. Because that's where we buy them here. Right? Because, you know, if I'm thinking that's where we buy it, they must have the, it must be the same everywhere else, right? Because the world revolves around me. So... I'm going and looking for this sprayer, and the guy at the at the door spoke a little English. Can I help you find something? I'm like, oh, no, I got this. I know right where I go. It's okay. I got it handled. So I'm going up and down the aisle, kitchen cabinets, kitchen sinks, kitchen cabinets, kitchen sinks. Got some fixtures looking all over, and I'm probably, it seems like a long time, but it's probably about five, seven minutes that I'm walking up and down, and the guy's watching me. And he's kind of smiling. So finally, in all humility, I go back and show him a picture of what I'm looking for. And he smiles. He says, come here. So we walk and we go to the toilet section. Because that's where they put it in Thailand. See, some places use it to clean the dishes. The other place they use it to clean other things. It's, it's just same, same. It's just very different. Now, I knew where I was going to put it when I got into the house, but when I'm purchasing the product, I'm going to the place that I've always known to go get something like that, and it wasn't in the wrong right section. I'm frustrated, mad, and a little bit irritated, and now I'm very humbled when I the guy shows me where they are. And they had every kind possible. They had brass, they had gold, they had whatever I wanted in this huge wall section of sprayers. The one you put by the sink is what they put by the toilet. Now, the question to you, which one is the right answer? Same, same. I just wouldn't recommend doing your dishes by the toilet. Just saying. But here's the thing. The application could be used for either thing. It was right. There's nothing wrong. But see, we have an idea. We have this world of vision. We finally see little dots of light. That has to be the way it is. And all of a sudden, some truth that could set us free, we can't let in because we've created this world that this is how it's supposed to be. And we lose it. But all of a sudden, when you start opening up, there's probably now thousands of applications. Who knows what the next country offers for this sprayer? But I just could imagine what it would be like to be blind and have your eyes open for the first time. You could care less about what you smell, hear, touch, feel. You can see. But at some point, once you become familiar with what you see, you might want to go back to those things that you could sensory touch. You know, because it says the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against flesh. You know, that word flesh actually means senses. Your senses war against the spirit and your spirit against the senses. 
But see, we were all blind. So we relied on a sensory realm for every answer, every truth, and every understanding. That's how we function. So all of a sudden, God comes in and says, I have something more glorious than you've ever imagined, but because you can't see it, you can't imagine it. So he says, you know, like we always say, well, I'm going to bring him the Word. That will bring light. The Word brings light. Well, I've heard lots of words. You know, there's Meng Mao, Bin Kao Gong Fai. Don't you get it? What's your problem? I just gave you the Word. But see, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. So if you don't understand it, it can't bring life to you. It says, don't be like a bug that flies into the fire and dies. Just a thought. That, that's random. But to understand is to separate and to distinguish. It's to take something and to be able to look at it from all angles and to understand it and handle it. This is why John, you know, how many times have people said, well, well, let me, let me put this one out there. So you're in Thailand and you decided to have the philosophical argument with a Buddhist monk. They're going to win. They're going to win. Because by the time you're done, you're going to be so tired with that conversation, you're going to go home. But here's how they're going to win. Jesus came to save your sins. Save you from your sins. I'm, I'm, I'm talking normal, touristy, pass out the Jesus, Norwegian Jesus track type thing. This is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He came to save you from your sins. And now you can go to heaven. Here's the six steps to do that. And they read it, and they smile and say, God. Like they always do, even when they're not going to actually read it. Oh, thank you. So you have this track. And then they start asking, so who's Jesus? Well, he's the Son of God. And he died, rose again, paid for your sins, and now he's alive today. And you get to be with him. Great, where is he? I want to visit him. Well, he's really not here. He's he's in heaven. So he's like a spirit. No, he's alive. He has flesh and blood and he can... Well, let's go visit him. Well, well, he's not here. He's... Oh, so it's like Buddha. His spirit's alive. It's living. It's it's alive. And if you follow that teaching and you, you read your, your, your holy book and you pray and you do good deeds and you give money and you... Um, make sure everything you do unto others as you want them to do unto you, and you don't drink and you don't smoke and you um, you do the list, then you can have that same spirit and go on to heaven. And by the time they're done, they explain religious Christianity to the letter. And you're trying to explain what's the difference between the two, philosophically. You're trying to take your understanding and matching their understanding, and you're going back and forth. And, and you can't do it. But see, Jesus didn't come to bring you and just to logically bring your understanding some light in your darkness. So this is what amazing about Jesus. He comes into your world and then brings you up into his. So he comes to understand you so then you can understand him. But he can't leave you where you're at or you can never understand him. But he knows he can't understand you unless he goes to where you're at. Think about Peter for a minute. Peter is fishing, and Jesus says, cast your, boat, your net on the other side of the boat, and we know what happens. The, uh, listen, you obviously don't understand anything about fishing, because we've been fishing all day, 
And I've been doing that all day. And I know because I've done this my whole life. My father's done that. His grandfather's done that. We know the sea so well. We actually know the fish by name. And this is, you know, this is our job. We do. This is what my life has been invested in is fishing. Just throw it on the other side. But because I respect you, I don't believe that you have any understanding. You don't understand what you're saying, but I'm going to do it for you. Cast it over, fills with fish. What do you do to Peter? Peter, I understand you. I understand what's important to you. I understand what touches you. I understand what you feel. I understand what your life is like. I understand it. So when I was telling you to cast the net on the other side of the boat, I wasn't doing it as some oxymoron and some moral of the story. I was saying, I get what's important about what is important to you right now. And that's doing your job to bring something home to your family. Now follow me. And he leaves it all. Because someone understood him. Even when Peter, after Jesus getting ready to go go to the cross, Peter, of course, he's going to go to the nth with them, right? He's the one who cut the guy's ear off with the sword. Jesus has to stick it back on and says, hold on, Peter, it's not the time. Sorry about that. (laughs) That's Peter, right? And he says, I would never betray you. He said, listen, Satan's come to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail you. And when you're all done with all that mess, go encourage the brethren. Which I think is just awesome of the trust that he has in Peter. So Peter goes through his whole mess. And you know when you're feeling discouraged and down, what do we go do? Go back to the old walls that we know how to feel. Touch. He goes back to fishing. That's what he knew. He knew how to fish, he knew how to be good at it, and he had confidence there. And that's where he's at, back in his fishing walls. Jesus shows up on the beach, yells out to the boat. After he has already ascended, he comes back and he's now, he's the man now. He's, but yet he still just shows up as a man, right? And he tells Peter, Peter! Don't you remember all the words that I've spoken to you? No. Peter, I'm hungry. Throw your net on the other side of the boat. He went back to Peter's heart of what he understood in his darkness to bring him back out again into the place where he could go do what he was called to go do. See, God has always gone to where you're at to bring you into where He's at. So a lot of times God will speak to you right where you're at in your things and give you understanding, but then He wants to bring you to a different place. But He doesn't bring you vertically. He brings you horizontally. Because just standing there from here to here, it's kind of the same perspective. We're just doing this. I want you to see something from a different level of life. So the understanding of the word... uh Understanding in Hebrew is to separate and distinguish. It is the perceptive insight with the ability to judge. Who in Scripture had the right to judge besides God? Righteous man. Righteous woman. Deborah was a judge. Gideon was a judge. See that? King David judged. Solomon judged. 
They judged from the perspective that they were righteous and they didn't judge from their own best interest. They judged others to bring answers to those truths. That's judging. They had understanding. That's what made Solomon so such a sight to see that people would come to see him because of his wisdom. Where did his wisdom come from? He could see what others couldn't see. He could see through the mess. The Greek used the word understanding in light of this. Um, to sh- separate, they called it, they call it chaff, the husk from the seed. So understanding is separating the husk from the seed. So that's how the Greek used that term understanding. So ponder this. The husk is the dead thing that surrounds the seed, right? Am I right, farmers? And then when it gets peeled off, what do you have underneath? What good is the husk? It has no value. But it protects the seed. So understanding to have our eyes open to see something is that husk gets peeled back and it goes into where the seed is at. So what light does when light happens, it actually peels off the dead thing, the thing that has no value, the thing that we've put around our heart to protect it from something. That's why the word of God is a quick, sharp, two edged sword that pierces, divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow and is the discerner and the thoughts of the intents of the heart. In other words, the word of God doesn't just come and slash and break you up and you're feeling like, great, I got to go hear the word today. I already know I'm a mess, but you know what? I'm just going to go read Psalms. David cried, so it's okay for me. No. The Word of God was like a surgeon. It always went and brought life. It brought relief. It brought, it went straight to the place that nothing else could get to. But His words that He speaks are in words that you can understand. He speaks to how we understand. What was the word given to Abraham? He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a chapter and verse to read. What was the word given to him? You're going to be a father of many nations. I need you to go to this other place. I want you to walk the land and do it. I'm going to give give you the children that number the sand, the sea, the stars. He gave him something visual that he could see what he was going to be what he was going to do. And he walked the land till that vision became so real it produced something. He saw it. That word went to his heart and peeled off the husk until life began springing out of Abraham. A man that was dead. Whose wife was dead. And here we are today. Thanks to Father Abraham. Understanding came. Now the Word of God's been written for us, but a lot of times we read it from the place of our brokenness versus the place of our sonship. So a lot of times we've taken Scripture and we've been studying it and pouring over it, and then sometimes you ever felt heavy by reading the Bible? Like, I know this is right, but dear God. Back through Leviticus. Why do we go there? No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of life in there too. If you're coming from a different position. 
But if you're coming from inferior, broken, fearful, don't read Leviticus. It wasn't written to you. Who's the Bible written to at first? The Old Testament. It's written to the Jews, and it was written so Jesus could fulfill himself walking on this earth. Because what you've written, it speaks about me. So how did Jesus see who he was? How did Jesus say, I only do what I see my Father do? How could he say that? It says he was made just like us in our image, in our weaknesses, in our what we have to work with, right? He was made like that, and yet he says, I only do what I see my Father do. So what does God the Father do? What does it look like when he's doing it? How's he doing it? Now we're supposed to do what Jesus does. How does he do it? What does it look like? How did he handle it? What was his emotions going on when that took place? What did he feel like? I can't understand Jesus is just over there. He was perfect. I'm not. And that's what we resort to. And here God took everything to bring his son so we could relate to him, to bring us back into the place that we were called to. And yet we took the deity who we couldn't relate to. He comes down and becomes just like us, walks with us, is among us. Then he dies and resurrects, goes up and says, I'm going to give you my spirit to be just like me. And then it's like, I can't really do that. I don't see what he looks like. And pretty soon we deify him and we're back walking into our darkness again. And that's Jesus. But you know. That's not what He came to do. He came to share a throne with you and He came to walk among you, but we can't see. I love this story in John. John chapter 9. If you'll turn there. John chapter 9. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate being blind. I've had my days of being blind and it's just not a good place to be. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? That means hope, that's light, but it's more than that. It's revelation, it's insight. He says, I've given you my spirit, which is his revelation, his insight, his connection with you. And I've man has not seen nor ear heard nor even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And we usually stop there because if I go further than that, that means I'm going to have to explain it. So let's just leave it up there. But that's not what the next verse says in 1 Corinthians. But I've revealed it to you by my spirit that you may freely know those, that you may know those things that are freely given to us. He is not withholding one thing from us. The problem is we can't see it, so we don't know how to utilize it. We don't know how to comprehend it. We don't know how to function with it. But rather than asking for our eyes to be open to see, we settle for it. And then we go back to doctrine such as, well, it's just God's will. God's in control. Well, He's not. He is. But He's not. But He is. But but He's not. Because He's given you the authority. You're His body. Jesus is the King, and you're His body. That means the head can't go somewhere without... So if you don't go, He can't... God gave the whole kingdom of the earth, the whole kingdom of heaven to His Son, Jesus. And you're the body of this, but we've been walking around headless with no eyes. But he wants us to have his eyes, how he sees it, how he thinks about it, how he functions in it, how he works with it. So now when you're going out, you're walking in what the boldness that he would walk in. Do you know sometimes he healed people without asking? 
He didn't even pray about it. He just had compassion. And he wanted to. And he never assumed what people wanted. You know, when a guy walks up to you with no leg, and they say, I need prayer. This is a big one. (laughs) All right, we'll start praying for that leg. No, the leg's fine. I just... I just need help with my schooling. Oh, thank God. We can pray for that one. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We don't even ask. We assume what people need. And the reason we get a rejection is because we assume their need. Because we don't understand. Because understanding is not so much understanding how math functions and how to utilize it in everyday life. Or all those algorithms of all the color things. You're way ahead of me, Craig, than all that. Just warp my brain on that. He understands that. I don't. But for me to understand, for me to get a hold of something, that is a part of understanding. But for me to understand you and you to understand me is the heart of the word understanding in the Greek. Jesus wanted understanding in the relationship. So when I ask you, What do you need? What do you want me to do? I'm getting to know your heart versus me giving you what I think you need. You know, one of the most undignifying things you could do to a family man that's trying to take care of their family and can't is to have their family come and stand in a food line. It's not dignifying. makes us feel good, but it's not dignifying. But if you can lift that family up and let them see their value, and do things where now that becomes a part of who they are out of relationship, you actually brought dignity and answers to that family. In Thailand, I don't go assuming that people are lower. We did this for our team. I thought it was really enlightening. We were riding on a bus down to Lampang, and it was uh, in that journey. We asked, the, um, we asked Oot, who's on staff with us, before they get here so they can kind of get a good understanding of perspective. This helped, didn't it, on the perspective? So then you get a perspective. What's the thing that bothers you most when missionaries come? He's Thai. And basically it was when they criticize where I live and look down on what we do. I'm summarizing that. He went into details. But, you know, we go down, man, I can't believe they hang all those wires on the pole. Can't they just bury them? Jeez, I can't believe they have the food like this. Man, chicken foot in my soup? Jeez, who lives like that? When you're talking about a delicatessen that they just paid extra for because that's something that's special to them. See, we don't realize when we get out of context, we actually strip people in thinking we're, we're helping them. And I will tell you, this team did not do that. They came and actually went the other direction and it impacted the Department of Probation where we have their staffer crying in the back. Like, you just love us. You see, when you do something that lifts a person, two things happen. They can see and their hearts are open. And when you have somebody who can see and their hearts are open, you can do a whole lot of stuff. And God does the same thing. Jesus came to lift, bring dignity, bring honor, bring respect. He didn't come and let you, oh, geez, I got to go fix this mess of kids that I made. I should have just wiped them out when I talked to Moses, but he talked me back into keeping them. Well, let's redeem them so I don't look bad over the whole deal. Right? That's almost a picture that we get of God. Jesus, He throws the love blanket over us. He loves us in the love of the Lord, right? I love that greeting when you leave church. Well, I love you in the name and the love of the Lord. 
So in other words, you can't stand me a bit, but you're throwing the love blanket over the top. Man, that is not how he does this. He comes because once you know that he has seen me, he's looked at me, he's thought of me and his thoughts of me are good. All of a sudden there's this openness like of dignity and you stand up and you look at everybody who's been touched like that. They went and changed the whole community. Jesus didn't even have to do any Facebook marketing. He didn't need social media. He just loved somebody. Lifted them up to the dignity that they were designed for. And something changed. John chapter 9. Now keep in mind, when Jesus was talking about Abraham being able to see, this caused a real problem. Because Jesus was known for this. When He says that your eyes, you can now see. Or I can see Abraham, you know, basically, okay, let me go back. When he, when he had told about Abraham, how he saw, then right after he goes, they asked him, so you know Abraham? You're only not even 50 years old. He goes, before he was. I love this. I, I just can imagine. Before he was. I am. Okay, that caused a problem. So now they're rushing him out of the city. He has to go hide and he sneaks through the crowds. Then this verse in 9-1, while he was sneaking through the crowds, Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. He saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, see his, his disciples were trying to get his understanding. They're trying to catch the way Jesus was thinking. Oh good, okay. We're going to be smart this time. I know what he's going to do. He's going to tell us which one. Was it the parents that sinned or was it him that caused this? Because sin is the cause of all sickness and disease. Just so you know. Not necessarily because you sinned, but if there had not been a fall, there would be no sickness and disease. And God never taught them with that. That's a whole, we won't go there. So Jesus passed by, saw this born born blind. The disciple says, who sinned, parents or him? And Jesus answered, neither his parents sinned, but that God made this man blind on purpose so that we could work the works of God on him and God could be revealed. God did not make this man blind. But he wasn't born blind because of his parents or him. But God is going to do his work in him. This whole miracle wasn't so everybody else could see this blind man. This work was so this man could see. Because God wanted this man. He wasn't an object for a big object lesson for the people around him. God didn't do miracles so there was object lessons. He doesn't heal you so that way he could show to everybody else he could heal. Yet he's going to show to everybody else he can heal because he heals you. But he heals you because he loves you. He saves you because he wants you. He helps you because he wants to help you. Not just to prove he can, then everybody else can know that he can. Yet that does happen that way. Pretty amazing. But that's not his motive. So he said this, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Understanding. I'm going to do something in this man that is going to radically change his life forever. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So is Jesus still in the world? Where is he? Well, I'm looking at his body. So his head has to be nearby somewhere. You know what I'm getting at, though. You're it. You're the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spit on the ground, made clay with saliva. I love God. He loves to play in the dirt. Made us from the dirt. Now he's making little spittle mud pies. There's obviously some real good stories behind this, but we don't have time. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. 
Now, I want you to notice, I don't believe this man was sitting, if, if Steve was a blind man, I don't think the disciples were standing around this guy going, so which one sinned? Do you think it was him or do you think it was his parents? You can't see me, so we can stare at you. I think that would be a little rude, wouldn't you think? That's not really how the Pharisees did. They usually did the talking behind the back, so you knew it had to be a whisper. It was probably like this. Jesus saw him. Which one's in? Neither. We're going to do something great inside of him because I'm here to do works. Okay. Then he made mud pies, spittle, walked over. Now remember, there's no crowd supporting him. He snuck out of the crowd passing through. So there is no announcement. Jesus is coming. Jesus, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. There's none of that. He comes, sees a man, puts the stuff in his eyes. And here's what he says. He gives him a word. He paints a picture in his mind. He gives him something this man could understand. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He knew where the pool was. He knew what the name was. And he knew how to wash. He didn't say, I'm going to heal you. He didn't say nothing. He said, just go. See, a lot of times when you get this word from great word from God, you know, God, just give me this great revelation off the pages. And he just says, just do the last thing I said. Just do it. Do something. Love somebody. Go. I know, but I need this real great revelation. Just pray for him. I know, but where's the... I need I need that revelation. What's exactly... How do you say go do that? Just, just do it. So he goes and washes. So he went and washed, came back seeing. He went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged. And some some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And he said, I am. What just happened on the inside of this man? Understanding. He not only saw, but he knew who he was. We don't change until we see differently. Paul prayed, Father, open our eyes of understanding that we may know the hope of your calling. That we may know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. That we may know your love. That we may know... I'm combining all three of those prayers together. That we may know. That we could see. That we could understand. Open our eyes. Because when you can see it, you can have it. Once you see it, it's a part of you. John said this, We bear witness of the word of life, the one we handled, touched, felt, been with. This is who he was. Now, wait a second. That ain't fair to us because we're supposed to do it by faith. They're testifying of the one they touched, handled, smelled, looked at. How do we have that? When the word opens our eyes. Because the moment you see something from the word, the moment it becomes a picture, when it becomes more than just a formula you don't know what to do with, All of a sudden, that becomes a reality and no one can take that from you because you saw it. You experienced it. You handled it. The word of life. And he goes on. So they said, where is this guy? Anyway, he goes on. He talks about and the Pharisees come, said, who did this to you? And he goes, "Um, I I don't know who he is, but this man, Jesus, came and said, go put, go wash. And I did. Now I can see. In verse 16, therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. You see, a blind man struggles with someone who can see because they can't relate to what you're seeing. So now they want to put you back in darkness. 
Because if you can see, you're free. And if you're free, I can't control you. And if I can't control you, what's my value? See how Satan operates? If he can keep you blind, he can control you. But if you can see, you don't have to be controlled anymore. You're free. And then it goes on in verse 17. Then they said to the blind man again, what did you say about him because he opened your eyes? said, he's a prophet. I'll tell you what a prophet is. Prophet, in how the Greeks used the word prophet, was an interpreter of hidden things. Jesus came to reveal hidden things. Things that were hidden in darkness. I think this is fascinating that all scripture, man was blind, and the whole thing is Jesus, so God so passionate to come to open our eyes so we could see who we are. Because once you see who you are, once you see, you know who you are. Let me rephrase, let me say it again. Once you see, you know who you are. It's when we can't see is when we don't know who we are. That's why when depression comes in, we can't see. And we forget who we are. But once we can see, light comes and answers come. You see, once you can get an answer to something, I was talking to Tim today, once you get an answer to something, once that light bulb, I still can't, that was such a great story you said. Once the light bulb came on, wait a second, everything changed. Atmosphere changed. Perspective change, world change, but everything looks the same, but your perspective of it is completely different. I have a partner, a partner of ours, he's a multimillionaire, and he invents things. And he's hilarious. Because he just goes, yeah, I was, at the, I was riding up on an elevator, and I was wondering why all the elevator buttons were broken in the corner. So I had this idea. Let's make a new button. So he makes this button... Cost him like a buck fifty to make this new button. And he sold it. He made thirty thousand dollars off this dumb button and he didn't have to do anything. He just put it with his other product line and people started buying. It. He goes, Yeah, look at this stuff's easy. But he sees it differently. He just sees it. Like even when I'm talking to him, I'm like, how did you see that? He just sees it. See, when you see it just changes who you are. You see problems. You can see through it. You can decipher through issues. You can decipher through people's hearts. You can decipher for, through what's going on. So when that person's yelling at you and raging, you can stop and just say, hold on a second. Okay, here's what's really going on. Okay. And all of a sudden you can get to the heart of issues. People get touched that way. That's how they're changed. That's why the gifts of the Spirit were not so we could have a special time in service with banners. Uh, nothing wrong with banners. Sorry. The banners are cool. <laughs> For all the banner people, I, I, banners are cool. I'm just saying, my, my point of that is, <laughs> sorry, <did I? laughs> Sorry for all the banner people, I repent. My eyes of understanding are not open to it yet, but if you can help me, I'm really open in heart to understand the banners. But anyway, so, my wife's going to get mad at me later. My point is, the gifts of the Spirit were for out there for us to touch and reach because that's where our eyes are open. The Spirit of God brings, opens the, I, the Spirit of God was sitting on Jesus that our eyes would be open, hearts would be healed, people would be set free, 
And then we have all the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge, prophecy, understanding, discerning. It is for us, but it's for us to go out there and do something with. Man, when you have a prophetic word for someone who doesn't know anything about God and you just happen to say, your left arm's been hurting, can we pray for it? And they're like, how in the world? Yeah. And you pray and then it gets healed. Okay, what just happened? And then they're touched because only God could know that. You don't even have to explain God. Okay, how do I know that? His name is Jesus. And all of a sudden things start opening. When there's a huge problem and you come down in your work and it's like this major issue and you stop and look at it and God gives you a spiritual idea to bring a solution to it and your bosses are going, okay, you need to be promoted. How'd you figure that out? Well, I just saw... No, how'd you figure that out? Well, here's the deal. I'm telling you, God has brought those things so that way you can help open the eyes of other people. Because when you're blind, you can't see anything. You don't know who you are. Let's close with Ephesians 3. In verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What is God wanting for you today. He wants you to see 2020. Crystal clear. He wants you to be able to look and know that when you understand His love, you are secure. You are no longer inferior. You are no longer fearful. See, that eyesight being opened is the opposite of what Lucifer did to Eve. Now we have the truth, not just words of deception, but the living word that also puts his spirit and infuses who we are into a whole new identity. Because it goes on to say, in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. But see, when you're filled with His love, you're not asking for things to make you feel loved. So you can ask for whatever you cotton pick and want when you're filled with His love because your motives will be now not to get something to fill you. It will be for others. The reason... We're afraid to ask, or we ask amiss, or like we're just not sure what the will of God is, is because we ask for things to bring us value. Versus living from our value and asking for things that make change. Sorry, that was a light and a blind moment right there. Deer caught in the headlights on that one. You guys catch that? 
God wants to do the full fulfillment of filling in you that you are so secure, the devil can't stand it. Everyone around you can reject you and you can still go smile and not have to get a bag of donuts to comfort it. That's what our eyes have to be open to. That is what that blind man experienced. But here's the deal. The moment he experienced that, he went in and his family wouldn't even testify to what happened. And they almost kind of, well, we're not quite sure if it's our son, but we're not quite sure what's going on. It says because they were afraid of getting kicked out of the temple. They didn't want to lose their identity because their son's identity had changed. And after the while, the Pharisees kept asking a question. And he finally just said, I don't know who this guy is. Do you want to be his disciple too? And then they get mad. Who are you to teach us, you sinner? And they kicked him out. When you got kicked out of the temple, you lost your job. He lost his begging seat. He lost the rights of the community. He lost it all. And he's sitting outside the temple. And Jesus comes along again. Where was Jesus the whole other time when he caused the problem to begin with? The guy was minding his own business, blind, sitting, begging. And this guy shows up and heals him. And now he could see, now he's bold, now he's speaking, and now he loses everything. I thought I lost everything before, now I've lost everything. But see, when love comes and opens eyes, the security, the boldness, the identity, the confidence ooze from him. And they kicked him out and he's sitting outside. And I don't think he was sitting there sulking. He knew the Creator had come and touched his heart and opened his eyes. And Jesus shows up and sits by him. And he said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? He said, show him to me and I'll believe. Because I'm he. He didn't even know who the man was that healed him. But he knew love. And that's what he followed. People, I'm telling you. You guys have been taught, filled, energized, Spirit of God, it all. But so we're still going and asking God, I just touch me today. And He's saying to you, I love you guys so much, I don't know how to say it, but I can't touch you any more than I've already touched you. I just need you to open your eyes. I need you to let my love for you and my security in you and my confidence in you flow into. I need you first to receive from me. Understand me for a moment. That's what Paul's praying. God is saying, please understand me. I'm for you. I'm all about you. I think you're great. I like your posts. <laughs> and I love you. But you're not my wet dog. I have to kind of, you stink. You don't look very good and you don't want to show them to your neighbor, but you put up with them because you've had them forever. He's not, you're not that to him. You're his heir that he chose to do something with. At the communion table, 
When you sat and have communion at the table, like Mephibosheth, the, uh, well, another day. Go online. It's two weeks ago. When God brings you to the table to have communion with Him, fellowship with unrighteousness or darkness cannot fellowship with light or righteousness. That what the scripture says? There's no fellowship. It doesn't mean I can't have relationships with people, but the word fellowship is the intimacy of a husband and wife relationship. That's fellowship. When you fellowship in the spirit of oneness, the spirit of bonding, in that spirit of connectedness, that's fellowship. So when Jesus says we're going to fellowship with each other, it doesn't mean a potluck dinner. Okay? We're not just kind of hanging out and kind of, hey, Bill, how are you doing? Hunting good? Good. That's not fellowship. That's relationships. And it can become fellowship. But fellowship is when you're, you see the way this person sees and you, they see you, you see them, you know each other, you know your hearts. Everything you have is theirs. Everything is yours is theirs. And it's this sharing that's fellowship. That was the Knights of the Round Table. The reason it was round is because everybody was equal at the table. There was a king, but he valued equally all the men at the table. So there was no head. They fellowshiped together. What was the king's was the men's. What was the men's was the king's. So when you are brought and your eyes are open like this man being a disciple, he was brought into fellowship with Jesus. Jesus understood him. and This man got to know Jesus. Communion. Now, after communion, something happens. This was going to be a surprise. So, after communion, Jesus said this to the disciples, because they were all blind before he came around too. Remember? Not physically, but spiritually. Blind as a bat. So he sent them out two by two. He says, go out and practice my stuff. And they did. They didn't take an extra coat. They didn't take a money bag. Just whatever gave to them. When you come to a house and a person of peace lets you in, stay there and let your blessing be on them. So he asked them after communion, his last supper, when he told them everything he thought about them, everything he was going to do for them. See, when you sit at the king's table... You become a son. You become a daughter of the king. You're of that family. So the authority of the king becomes your authority. So you can execute from that table at the same level. So after communion, he told the disciples, he said, did you guys lack anything when I sent you out? With no money bag, no coat. They said, we lacked nothing. See, they went under his authority, under his guidance, under his direction, and under his care. Amen. That was before communion. But after communion. Let me demonstrate. Come up here, Steve. So before communion, I carried the sword because the sword under kings of the Old Testament, the sword was authority, not the crown. And every soldier that was in the early part of the Roman Empire before later on, had to buy their own weaponry. 
It wasn't given to you. You had to use your own money to buy the weapon. But if you did well in battle, it would promote you to other things. Therefore, your sword was named and it carried an authority. And as the kingdoms grew and into the medieval times, the, the sword of the king became the power and authority of the kingdom. Therefore, we have the, the folklore of King Arthur and Excalibur. That's where that came from. So Jesus said something interesting is he said, I provided everything before you when you were under me, when I was with you, right? In those early days, I took care of it all. You didn't even have to think about it. You went under my authority, and it was my responsibility. But now, I tell you to take an extra coat. Take a money bag. And go. if you don't have one, sell a garment and go buy a sword. Because now I'm giving you the authority to go out. And it's now going to be under your authority as you go. And you go take, and you go do what you learned from me and get others and do for them. So this sword is very interesting is, you guys see that shift though? You now have the authority to go. Before it's like, well, it's up to Jesus, whatever he tells us to do, wherever he sends us, whatever he's going to have us do, I'm just waiting on Jesus. And he was right there telling him what to do. Now he says, I've given you my spirit. Go buy a sword and you go. You go do what I put in your heart to do. You go do it in the way that I've done it. You go do it in my spirit. You go do it in my name. You go do it. But we don't do it because we're a little bit shy because we haven't seen it. And tonight I'm praying that God opens your eyes to something different. Because you have great power sits inside this room that is so untapped, it is amazing. We don't even know it. Because we've let the blindness of our old life overshadow the light that keeps trying to come in. And we keep running back and we close our eyes and we go back to feeling the way we used to feel. But God's senses are different. His eyesight's different. He wants to give that to us. He wants us to see different because the moment you can see on that trip, when you prayed for that lady, did you see something different? Did it change what happened in that place? Did you have to sit there and pray, oh, God, I don't know. Should I pray for this woman or should I not pray for this woman? Should I? Did you just go? And what happened? She is out ministering herself because you dare just to do what was in your heart because of what God did for you. So you're going to go out and do what they see. She went with authority. That's in you. Tomorrow we'll talk about a little more simplifying some of those things for you. So that way you can think about it. But this sword is very interesting. It's a Damascus steel. And Damascus steel, is they still haven't really fully been able to reproduce what they did, but they blend some carbon with it. During about the 10th, it was about between 60, 70 AD is when they kind of started doing this whole metallurgy process. But it is razor sharp, very hard and bone handle, the whole thing. But see, when you're given a sword or you're buying a sword, it has to mean something. And what this means is, Steve, you have led a church and blazed through you're not a guy that's not afraid to get into it. As you notice, it's not a big, long broadsword where you can reach out. It's not a missile where you can shoot someone from a distance. You've got to be up close. 
You've always been willing to get up close to people. You've always been willing to get into things. You've always been willing to wherever wherever it is that nobody else is willing to go, I'll go in. So you don't want this big, massive mangling store. You need something in there that you can just move around with. But I want to give this to you as a... Because you don't have a sword. And Jesus said to go buy one. Peter said, I had one. Yeah, that's enough. So you just need one. This is for you. But here's the deal. You can't swing a sword blind. Amen? We can't swing a sword trying to operate from our old senses where our mind is so preoccupied with trying to do everything a different way. Then we're always looking for someone else to come in and do it, right? Because we're so preoccupied in all of our senses. But when we occupy by our spirit, God's voice, who's always talking to us, and the authority that he's given. Well, I'm not sure what authority I have. Okay, do you have the authority not to be poor? Do you have the authority to be healthy? Do you have the authority to love somebody else? You know, there's no rules about loving somebody else the way God loves us. There's no rules, no restrictions, no no barriers. Do we have the authority to go and do what he did? Okay, just start there. Just pick one. And the more you start exercising and taking your sword and start using it from a sense of authority in the spirit, you know, you'll make mistakes as you go. But when you take a step forward in mistakes, you're still a step forward. And then you take another step forward and you kind of refine, go, okay, I probably won't do it that way again. But if you're doing everything motivated by love, the person will still be blessed in your mistake. You know, if you reach out and have a word for someone that says, you know what? Is your name John? No, it's not. Oh, shoot. Wrong guy. Well, what were you going to have me say? Well, I'm just practicing hearing God's voice. And I just want to let you know God loves you. And that was it. Okay, how bad is that screw up? I'm just saying there's authority. And the more you start doing it, what happens? What was dim starts becoming brighter and brighter and brighter, and then pretty soon you do it like you button your shirt. Who's thought about buttoning their shirt lately? You know which side you start on? Bottom, top, left, right? Now you're going to sit and think about it. You don't think about it. It's crystal clear to you when you put a shirt on. You just do it. That's the same as walking in confidence. It's the same as walking in authority. Now, it doesn't mean you're not asking God for guidance and it doesn't mean that he's not showing you things. The problem is we've been depending on him to show us things he's already shown us. So he opens our eyes to this truth and then we put the thing back over and then we wait till next week and we take it off. Woo! Woo! And it's like we, we're, not, we're not doing anything with it. And God wants to change this because you are the influence of our entire world. He's not going to do it from a prayer meeting and no one gets out. He'll, the prayer meeting is important, but he's not going to do it with the prayer meeting and no one goes anywhere. And then we have a praise celebration for four more weeks to hope that God will go save the world. And he's sitting there going, okay, but you need to. Okay, how about this? Pray, go, and then come back and praise. Let's do that one. Just, I'm not saying what it looks like for each person. 
I'm saying there's an authority, there's a power, there's a strength. We didn't get into the government by having it perfect. We didn't get into the government by all of a sudden having all of our dots in a row, all this preparation, mass work. No, it just came from let's just go for it. And let's love people. And we'll start with one. And you know what? But this person doesn't work for the government. Well, she is under the government. So we loved her. We didn't know that her husband happens to be the driver for the government. Who happens to be the driver for the director who has the power to make all the decisions? Who happened to like us because we loved this person? Now we have authority to influence a government because we chose to start with what we had of influencing was right here. And we just keep taking it as far as we can. But what's the limit? I don't know. There's no limit. How about we go find out? Let's see how far it can go until there's a limit. There's no limit. There's probably a limit somewhere. You know, when I'm not alive, that I can do it, but he's going to still be alive. That's the enjoyment life. And then we're not sitting. And so when we're thinking, but I got these problems, how am I going to do this? I got these problems. Man, I got to get by. God, if you just get rid, if you give me a million dollars, I'll fund the gospel. No, you won't. Because you're going to have a million more problems with the million dollars that you just got. And then you have more reasons why you can't do anything. How about this? God, I don't care if you don't give me a dime. I'm going to go change what you put in my heart. So here's where I'm going to start. Little Sally next door. I'm going to be a blessing. I don't feel good today. I don't want to go today. God, will you fill me with your love today? Will you just overwhelm me with your confidence and boldness and authority today? So, Because I'm going to go out there tomorrow. And you start seeing God filling you. And guess what? By the time you're done, just like Jesus was tired, thirsty, and hungry when He sat down at the well. And when He left, He never ate, never drank, and never slept. And He was fully satisfied. He had problems. He had needs. But His eyes were opened to something else. And I want your guys' eyes open. Tomorrow, we're going to go through a little bit differently on the same subject, but you guys are the, the hungry people, right? You're the, you're the Saturday night crowd. So you can handle things a little bit more intense. I'll break it down simpler tomorrow. So we can all understand. Amen? No. And by the way, I, I do really apologize if someone's a, a banner person. I, I love banner people. I just, in fact, you need banner people. I'm just saying. I'm not going to get out of the banner. <laughs> we'll back up slowly. Praise God. Well, let me stand, stand up. Getting close. By the way, when you, in Ezekiel, when the Spirit of God was going to give a word to somebody, a prophet, Ezekiel, he said, stand on your feet like a man. Get off your face. Quit looking at the floor. So you can't receive something face to face from an authority unless you're looking at him. That means he takes what you are and lifts you up to a higher place so you could see it how he's seeing it. He told Job, prepare yourself like a man. And stand and listen to what I'm about ready to tell you. 
And I want you guys tonight to get this imagery in your head. That when I come before God, we come with all humility because we absolutely don't deserve a darn thing. But because He chose to make us deserving, bless God, stand in the boldness and the confidence and the assurance of everything He did because His name will not be put to shame. And He won't be put to shame if you dare trust in Him. And He wants you to know tonight, many of you have known the Word. You've known what to do. You've known, you've heard it. You've been energized by it. You've been filled by it. And then time goes on and it just, you feel like it goes away and it's like, I just need to be recharged again. I just need to be recharged again. And there is nothing wrong with being recharged. We all need to be recharged at times. But I want you to remove the thought process that there's something wrong with you when you're feeling a little needing recharge. I believe your word earlier was keep coming back. You think, oh, I gotta do all this, I gotta do all this, but His mercy endures forever. But I want you guys to be a little bit more humble tonight. You've been a little, we, we get prideful. The pridefulness is when we don't ex- accept what Jesus said about us. See, the moment we say something different than what God says, we're in pride. If He says you're great, royalty, holy, blameless in His sight, and you're praying, God, I'm just not worthy to come, you're prideful. And that's blindness. Because you're saying something different than what God's saying. That means somewhere you know a better authority than Him. And if we can't believe the good thing He says about Him, we sure can't believe the thing, the word that we're seeking that we need for help. And we wonder why I can't hear. Because we can't even hear the good thing that He's actually saying about us. So that's what He thinks about you. So I want you guys to stand right now as Steve closes us out. And I want you guys to know, each one of you, There's nothing been withheld from you that He's promised. There's not one thing that has been withheld that you've been longing for, that He put in Scripture, that He put in your heart, that He's withholding from any one of you. He is not withholding from you. He is not withholding from you. Father, open our eyes to see all the things that you have freely given to us. Open my eyes to see. Open my eyes. And when your eyes are open, you forget your other senses and you run with what you see. Amen?